Guys, welcome back to the Drew Hennessy Let's Talk podcast, episode four. On this week's episode, I was delighted to be joined by Owen Lacey from the Irish Strength Institute. Owen is a performance consultant helping athletes and executives reach optimum health and performance through functional medicine, strength and conditioning, physical therapy, lifestyle medicine, coaching and sports nutrition. Owen is one of the owners of the ISI and runs his own e-learning platform, ownlacy.com. On today's episode, we spoke about sleep, digestion, intermittent fasting and much more. This episode is packed full of useful information for you to take away to be a healthier version of yourself. Make sure you have a pen and paper. Enjoy the episode. Owen, how are you? I'm good, Drew. Thank you for coming on. Um, You're my second guest on the Drew Hennessy Let's Talk podcast. I'm the second person. Thanks. Second, thanks for, yeah. Thanks for being number two. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the first person for health and fitness. So. Okay, so that's... And uh, when I was planning this, you were the first person that I spoke or that I even thought about to uh, to have on to speak about health and overall fitness. So Okay, that means a lot. Thank you. Thank so you. I can give you and the listeners some sort of valuable takeaways. I'm sure you will. Every time I sit down with you uh, as of... I went to you two years ago. Every every time I sit down with you, my brain comes out and it's like, whoa, my brain is sore. But in a good way. In, in a good, good way. way. <laughs> so for the listeners that don't know you, um, there's a lot of people that might not because you're not on social media, which I think is a great thing. But um, who is Owen Lacey? Owen Lacey is, um, I'm a trainer. That's my main job. Mm. I, I work as a trainer. I also do quite a lot of nutrition, functional medicine, do quite a lot of stuff on lifestyle and, and mindset. I realised at a very early part of my career that it's if all you have is a hammer, everything's a nail. So I, I try not just to force exercise down people's gobs. So I try to take a, a holistic approach, as I think is early fairly, but I try to take a complete approach. So when I'm trying to help people perform better, whether, whether that's an athlete or whether that's an executive, I like to try to use lab testing, I'll do some coaching, I'll do some mindset, I'll do I'll do whatever is needed to get help that person. And if it's not within my scope of practice, I'll, I'll link in with a network of people that, that can help me out. Okay. Um, so I just want to go back, as uh, we spoke just before we came on air, that I went to you two years ago. Um, you were hosting an ISI fat loss uh, course over two days. And I remember... I was sitting there and I was in a, not saying I was in a bad place, but it wasn't a great place. Um, it was April 2018 and I remember sitting there uh, and we were supposed to be learning stuff about our clients. It was, it was, it was obviously for mainly, it was mainly for personal trainers. And I remember sitting there and I was, you were speaking about clients coming in and feeling like this and that. And I was like, I'm feeling like that. Like, and I'm the trainer. So it kind of, it really, it, Gave me that kick in the arse that the following day after the course, I obviously uh, sent you a text to thank you for the course, but I was like, <clears throat> can I book in with you? I said, I need to. Uh, every, er, everything you said, I was like, right, poor sleep, bloated, stressed, tired all the time. And so I knew myself, I said, I need to go and get sorted. So I remember going in and we sat down, we had a consultation in your clinic and you asked me, well, the... the questionnaire was about 10 pages long and it was so informative and a lot of the things on it I was like right you know this is not good 
Um, and we spoke about, the first thing I think we spoke about was sleep. Uh, and I think a big part of this podcast is going to be about sleep on episode one of my podcast. I spoke about that. I had gone over to you and my sleep was as bad as probably it could be. And the reaction from people uh, on social media and stuff was, I'd love to. I'd love to know more about sleep because a lot of people, and I speak to clients all day, every day, and most of my clients would suffer from sleep to a certain extent. Um, and I remember going into you, I was like, yeah, I'm sleeping probably three, four hours a night, can't go to sleep and getting up, getting up tired every single day. So um, it just kind of gives us a little bit of information of what we've done because I tried to explain the sleep cycle um, to people, but can you give us a little, a little bit more I- information on what we do with my sleep? Right. So, so first of all, it's funny you say when you were sitting in the, in the classroom, people always resonate with what's going on in their life. So mm-hmm. if I'm talking about, like you probably talked a lot about good health and skin issues, but you obviously zoned in on, on sleep because that was a, a, an issue for you at the moment. But trainers, and I, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to skip past this because I think it's important for trainers to realize this. Trainers are out there, and I ask trainers two questions. One, did you have a training partner? And everyone says, says to me, no. Our job is based around that people train better with a training partner. So trainers are not are not having someone else to train with. And I think that's be very beneficial for, for, for not only for the headspace, but also to enjoy their training. The second thing is trainers are out there looking after clients, working really hard and trying to help their health. But then they're doing that at the detriment of their own. They're getting up early, they're staying up late and they're not looking after themselves correctly. And then that's what causes what is called your circadian clock system. So inside your body, every cell in your body has a clock. And that clock tells that cell what to do, when to do it, when to sh- turn on, when to turn off. Now, when people have disrupted sleep, their clock systems are all out of tune. So it's like having a football team and everyone has their own game plan that no one's working together. If the whole team aren't working together, you're not going to win the game. So too many people have so much dysfunction going on from a cell communication. You want everybody, every cell in your body, you want them working in unison. You want one guy doing their job, the other guy doing their job. But overall, it's optimum body health. And at night time is where the bodies reset the clocks. They clean themselves out. They get themselves ready for the next day. But... If you've got chronic dysfunction when it comes to sleep, the next day's performance is just going to be a mess. And this can manifest in so many different ways. I've got guys that have digestive problems because of poor sleep. I've got guys with mental health issues because of poor sleep. I've got guys that are emotional, have anxiety issues and panic attacks, and they just, they can't function. So I like to think of it as like a battery. Like you recharge your battery at night time. You get up in the morning, you check your phone, you're at 100%, you go to work, you do your job. But people are waking up at 40% charge every morning and they think it's okay. Mm. It's not okay. It's normal, you know, and it's common, but it's, it's not okay. And when we talk about the, 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 the questionnaire, and the reason why I send the questionnaire out is it asks loads of questions. Mm. I actually had one guy... Um, he filled in the female section for me. Oh, right. I don't know how he managed to do that, but he, that he filled in all the, the <laughs> breast tenderness and menstrual cycle dysregularity. But the point <coughs> is, I give that questionnaire out to highlight areas. So when yeah. you fill that in, I was like, this is it. This is the lowest hanging fruit. Like Drew, he do, he's doing so many things right, mm. but how on earth can you build a house in a swamp? Yeah. The foundation just isn't there. So that's, that's where I went in. And, uh, to answer your question finally mm. what the sleep uh, spread is the sleep spread is, is tough you, you've done it you know yeah, so so with the sleep spread is I get people to stay up till 12 o'clock at night <coughs> excuse me I get people to stay up at 12 o'clock at night which be honest with you is easy that's the easy part mm. the next that part actually, that was actually hard <laughs> for me not hard for me but I was lying there I was like is, you know I, and it's crazy because I would have been going to bed earlier but 
I wouldn't have been tired. But then the times when I was told to stay up, come 11 o'clock, I was like, oh, I'm dying, dying to go to bed. But yeah, okay, go on. So the first thing is you stay up at 12 o'clock, which for most people isn't, isn't a major issue. Mm. Then they have to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning. Now, yes, for people out there, 4 a.m. in the morning <laughs> and you cannot go back to bed oh, and you cannot nap. I do not suggest this for people that have to fly airplanes or do something yeah. really strenuous. It, it's, it's, it's somebody that has a lot of dysfunction in sleep. Now, what happens is when you get up at 4, four o'clock in the morning, you stay up for a whole day. And the hope is then when you go to bed the following night, once you can stay asleep continuously, you can only move to the next sleep spread when you stay asleep continuously from 12 o'clock to 4 a.m. When that's continuous, the next night you move to 11.15, uh, 4.15. Once that's continuous, you move to 11. 12, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, 11.30, you go to 11.30, then you go to 4.30. Mm. So you're spanning out by 15 minutes on both sides until you have the continuous. Uh, most important thing is the continuous uh, sleep cycle. Mm. We have five... Technically, we've got five cycles. They put cycle three and four together, but technically, we have five cycles of sleep. And they happen on average every 90 minutes. And what happens is we get a lot of physical restoration for our body during the first part of sleep. And then towards the latter part of the 90-minute cycle, we have much more deep restorative uh, regeneration for our brain. And what happens at that part of, of our regeneration is your brain actually shrinks. The neurons in your brain shrink by up to 40%. And I like to think about it as a, like a shampoo, that the, the cerebrospinal fluid goes around your brain and sort of cleans out your brain. So your brain sort of shrinks in size, the cerebrospinal fluid uh, cleans it out, and then we, we move on to the next phase, uh, uh, the next cycle of sleep. That's what's called the glymphatic system. I'm sure people are familiar with the lymphatic system. Mm. The glymphatic system is the, is the cleaning system of the, of the brain. And every consecutive cycle, I repeat that, every consecutive cycle, we have less physical restoration and more brain restoration. But so many people have broken sleep. And what happens if you've got broken sleep, you go back to the start again. So people are waking up and their body is physically restored, but they're mentally just flat. Mm -hmm. They're on the floor. It takes them a crowbar to get out of bed. And the next best friend is the snooze button. Mm -hmm. If you have to press the snooze first thing in the morning, that's the, the early warning sign that stuff is going wrong. And if I like to, like to use an analogy we talked about, the football team, we want all the football team to know what they should do. We want them ready to go. When the whistle goes, they should be ready. But if you wake up in the morning and you're, Jenny, Mark, I have to get out of bed. Then, now you're like, oh, put my socks on, put my boots on, get ready to play football. You're not ready to play. You're not yeah. ready. So by, re by resetting your circadian clock system and getting all the cells ready to do their job when you wake up in the morning and you should be waking up without an alarm clock. But if you wake up in an alarm clock and it shocks you, your body's reacting for the whole day. Yeah. And you're just... Like, literally, and I, I'm not going to share the listeners mm. what, what, what your routine was like, but you're working like a dog, dude. You're yeah. working crazy. Yeah. And, 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 and you're trying to help other people. And this is the problem. We're all in the same boat. I'm in the exact same boat. Mm. But you're, you're looking after <clears throat> everybody else. And then you go, okay, it's 10 o'clock bedtime. Not that the yeah. brain doesn't work like happen. that. It yeah. just doesn't work. So for me, the, the aggressiveness and the, it, it is intense. So I do suggest the listeners, I got this protocol but from... Dr. Char Charles Samuels, he has a sleep ranch in Toronto and also it's popularised a lot by Dr. Robert Rakowski. So Charles Samuels over in Toronto and uh, Bob Rakowski. So it, it is quite hard. Now, mm -hmm. I wouldn't put it that to, to someone that had no. any sort of lot going on in their life, but it, it's quite hard, but it's effective. Yeah. So that's my It took me, I remember it, um, I thought going to bed at 12, like, well, I'm definitely tired now, but half one, quarter to two, Boom! I was I was awake. It took me. I remember the first, the first cycle. It took me three days to get. I couldn't stay asleep for longer than four hours for three days, and then it took me. I think all in all, I think looking back, I th took me 
five weeks at least yeah. to get to that. Like, and we knew at, at the time I, I was working till <coughs> 10 p.m. and I couldn't, well, not that I couldn't change it, but I, I, I was in a position that um, I wasn't going to change the hours I was working. So we had to kind of do what we could. I couldn't be in bed at 10 o'clock. 11 o'clock would have been the earliest. I was getting home a quarter past a half ten. Um, and I was busy in the even time. So I was eating at, at half ten. I was getting on my phone. I was getting back to emails. And if I was extremely busy, I'd be getting on the laptop. And earliest I was going to bed was half eleven. And, you know, I was getting up at half five, quarter six. And I knew, I knew that I was like, this is, but if I could sleep from half eleven to half five, wouldn't be too bad but I was awake at every morning wide awake at three between three and four um, and yeah it took me it, it took me a long time to get it but um, you know the idea of this is to try to help people with bad sleep and if there's anyone out there who has bad sleep and um, maybe not going to that extreme but you know uh, getting a Bedtime routine, you know, uh, is I find now is hugely important. There's one thing that I can that I find it hard to um is to get off the phone, and I I know the phone is the worst thing. I don't go on the iPad or I don't go on the laptop, but the phone is is obviously the same. I try to kind of put it down an hour before I go to bed. But yeah, what would your best nighttime routines be out there for for people? Well, this is this is the issue. So. I think if you're looking at your nighttime routine, you're already late. So so for me, if you want to get good sleep, you have to start in the morning. Okay. So you know you shouldn't be on the phone. You know you shouldn't be <laughs> watching UFC late at night. It's going to wake you up. You know you shouldn't be doing accounts or programs. Well, people do. So in order to get good sleep, it starts in the morning. So been on your phone for a little bit before you go to bed. If you set the stage in that morning, no problem. It mm. won't affect it too much. But this, if, if you think about all the advice that you've ever given someone on, on sleep, it's all around nighttime. Mm. Take magnesium, take melatonin, get off the screen. But you know what? doesn't work. Mm. just doesn't work. It's not powerful enough. Yeah. So for me, I start off in the morning. And once you get the morning routine sorted, the nighttime will look after itself. And we have a, a circadian clock system, as I mentioned, but also you have a hormonal cascade. And your hormones that should wake you up in the morning are your cortisol, should be high in the morning. Now, if we do things at night time, we can elevate cortisol and that can in interfere with sleep. But we want, we want one, it's called, there's a two system, it's called the sleep drive. And the sleep drive, when you wake up in the morning, you should not have a, a big drive to go back to sleep. You shouldn't. Okay, so as the day goes on, your sleep drive should go higher. So at night time, you should have a high sleep drive. In the morning, you should have high cortisol levels called process C. Your cortisol should be high in the morning and low at night time. So when you go to bed at night time, you should have a big urgency or sleep drive to go to bed and low level of cortisol. That's what you should have in order for that nice situation to happen. The problem is people have a high sleep drive and the cortisol is too high because they've taken too much caffeine, they haven't eaten enough food properly, they haven't exercised or they've exercised too late or they're doing still similar things at night time. So in order to get the seesaw balanced, I would suggest rather than focusing on the, on the end of it, is to focus on the start of the daytime. So mm. I actually did a course online, I'm not plugging my course, but I'm just saying it's such a big thing that people we'll get should, to that. should, yeah, we'll get to that, <laughs> uh, smoke. Um, so what we want to try and do is make sure that we have, uh, we start off the morning routine. Now, if me and you said, look, you know what, this coronavirus thing is over, there's a seminar in Australia, let's go, let's go chill out in Australia. We go there, we'd be five days messed up. Mm. Like five days, I went to, to see my friend a few years ago, uh, maybe it was about a year and a half ago in Wellington, and he gets up in the morning and he runs up this mountain. 
So I said, yeah, no problem. I'll do it in the morning. The steps, you know, it's, it's about mm. 27. His best time is 27 minutes. Just steps right up this mountain. You can see right over Wellington. And he's been in Wellington. You realise there's a lot, lot of mountains all over the place. Man, I died. I got up. We got up at 10 to 6. Man, I, and I had to walk. The dog was with us. And mm. I was so... Like, what did I think? I was going to fly to New Zealand. The next morning, get out of bed yeah. at 10 to 6 in the morning and run up a mountain. Now, I was fit enough to run up, but I was just messed Your up. Body clock, but yeah. the reason why I did it is exercise is what's called a Zeitgeber. A Zeitgeber is an exterior uh, stimulus on your own internal clocks. So exercise is a great stimulator for you to wake up in the morning. But if you're exercising at night time, you're waking your body up mm. before you go to bed. If you're on the iPhone, if you're doing emails. But if you're using the iPhone just to chill out and do some social media scroll, uh, yeah. not, it's not so it's much not of an issue bad, with everything yeah. else in, in, in line, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> you mentioned there that um, you've, you've had some clients that poor sleep causes uh, stress, floating, low testosterone, they were all me, yeah. they, you know. Um, and I think on the first phase as well, we did the food intolerance test because I was getting bloated all the time, yeah. all the time. Um, really, and quite a few things came back up on it, but, um, you know, how does bad sleep cause you to get bloated from eating Food. Okay, so th this mm. is this is a really interesting topic, and I'm trying to make, explain this in, in as simple as way as possible. Imagine that you have a, a kitchen, mm. right? And in your kitchen, you have enzymes that break protein down, enzymes that break sugar down, enzymes that break fats down. And at night time, your body says, "Okay, the kitchen's clean. We've cleaned all the kitchen. The metabolism is all sorted. Let's make some insulin. Let's make some lipase. Let's make some boil. Let's make all these things that we need." So when Drew wakes up in the morning, we have all these enzymes ready to break his food down. But you know what? When you've interrupted sleep, when you've broken sleep, you've poor quality sleep, you throw that food into the stomach and the body's like, I've nothing to do. I, mm. I can't break it down. And then all of a sudden, people are trying to digest food on the fly. So at, at no time, our body gets a digestive system prepared for the intake of food. So for example, this is, the, this is the number one issue that I have when it comes to blood sugar problems. Let's say you have a breakfast this morning. Don't care what breakfast it was. You, you take that breakfast in, your body will release insulin in the presence of whatever carbohydrate was, was ingested at that meal. And that insulin that was released is to control the blood sugar. Now, that's called force phase insulin response. It's the release of insulin that the body had in storage. Now, if you don't sleep, you don't make that insulin. So when you eat the food, the body's like, oh shit, I've no insulin, what am I going to do? So the, the pancreas is like, I don't worry about it, guys, I'll make it. So it starts to make it, but it's reacting to it. So your blood sugar is going higher while your body's trying to make the insulin to control your blood sugar. So the exact same meal that you've had will have a, a huge impact on your blood sugar because you've had poor sleep. Mm. And then for the whole day, you're catching on yourself. The body doesn't like to be reacting to things. It likes to be responding to it. And when you're, and you want to call it resilience, your digestive resilience is lowered if you've got poor sleep. Mm. So whatever food you eat is going to be compromised. The same way food allergies, for example, the body will generally only react to proteins and such. You can have intolerances, which is a little bit different. But when you eat a food, imagine a food like a, a pearl necklace. And what the body's job is to break the pearl necklace down into individual pearls and we can absorb it. But we need hydrochloric acid, we need the digestive system to be on point. But if you haven't slept well, that food comes down, the body doesn't properly digest it, and instead of, instead of coming down in individual pearls, it comes down in, in a bigger pearl or four or five pearls, and then all of a sudden that starts to irritate the immune system. That compromises your gut lining. That causes bloating and wind and gas mm. and 
what can be contributed to what's called SIBO, small intestinal bacteria overgrowth where below the belly button people get a massive amount of swelling. And it's all, it's contributed to many things, but it wasn't broken down earlier on because it, the body was reacting to it. It wasn't responding to mm. it. So sleep sets the stage for every other function in, that take place in the body. So you can have the best diet in the world. You can have no carbs at breakfast or very little carbs, but you can have a high blood sugar spike because the, the digestive system was overwhelmed. It wasn't ready to, to mm. digest it. And then what people do is they wake up in the morning, oh, I feel like crap. I don't even feel hungry. Mm. You can have a coffee and go to work. And that's what happens. That's why people love intermittent fasting. I'm not hungry, I'll go for it. But then what happens, the cells are sitting there going, when is this Heck, are going to give me mm. some food. Yeah. Now, for some people, that can be very beneficial. But for other people, like, he's giving me no nutrients. And then it's bedtime, and all of a sudden, beep, 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 yeah. this big delivery yeah. truck of food comes in. And then all, all of a sudden, the kitchen is digesting all this food, and then it interferes with the sleep. sleep so yeah. it's, it's an incorrect timing. So <clears throat> nutrition is a big, a big zoigeber. A zoigeber, again, it's a stimulation for your, your circadian clocks. We want to get people up in the morning. We want to get exercise, some form of exercise done in the morning. We want to get some food in. But in order for you to digest the food correctly, you need to have slept well the night before so you can actually digest the food, you yeah. know? That was a big thing that I had, and I do. I, I've done it for a couple of years now. I do intermittent fasting, but I think for years, especially Back in the day when I was doing bodybuilding, it used to be first thing in the morning, I used to have oats and whey. I used to have 100 grams of oats, two scoops of whey. I was driving down to the gym in Donna Bay, which was t probably 20 minutes. But the time I got there, I felt like I had to literally go sleep again. Um, I was exhausted. I was bloated. And if anyone was around at, at them times, I used to uh, fart all day, all day. Um, and that was obviously a big part because I would have had Brutal sleep, first thing I was throwing in was oats and whey, and I just used to feel exhausted. But I was thinking, no, I need to get my carbs and my protein in. This was a good few years ago before I actually knew a lot more. <clears throat> so that poor, that poor sleep was resulting in me not being able to break any of that yeah. food down and, f and feeling then bad for the whole day nearly, you know. But uh, yeah, I can, I can so, uh, I can so resolute with all that yeah. um, now, one of those things when it comes to just the whey protein mm. uh, just what, what you mentioned <coughs> there whey protein oh man it's a number one allergen yeah. for so many different people and because it's already pre-digested and it is made from dairy it, it can cause a lot of reactions with people so mucus build up acne on the back as you said wind gas bloating is highly correlated with. so in my opinion a lot, a lot of younger guys actually like we're similar age I think I've got a few years on you Drew or maybe I don't know I think I have a, few, a year yeah. on you, what age you? I think so 39 um, I'm 29 too 40, 40 in September yeah, oh, you're a couple of months ahead. Okay, I got you right. <laughs> so, like back in the day, it wasn't cool to. I, met, I listened to your podcast when it wasn't cool to go to the gym. No, it yeah, wasn't. Yeah. Like it wasn't. I finished working in Westwood or Total Fitness back in the day. I go and the lads would be in the pub, but go by and see them mm. on the way home. Like it wasn't trending to be no. in the gym. It wasn't. You been slagged. I, no. I, I, I had to hide. I remember I was in the gym in Pomanic Leisure Centre and they've a part of it's all glass and the lads were going football training. Now, I would have been going football training, but I would have been in the gym beforehand. So the trainer was at seven o'clock. I used to go to the gym at six o'clock, but I had told them I was going home. And there was one day where I was training and I walked past and two or three of the lads were early for training, about half six, which was probably never, ever, ever the case. And I literally jumped out of the window and they see me and they're like, what are you doing in the gym? That's for, you know yeah, what? And I yeah. was like, ah, I, I enjoy it. But that was like, that I was 20, 
20 yeah. odd years ago, yeah. But, but now everyone's in the gym. Mm. It's training yeah. to be in the gym. Yeah. So now all these kids are, are and again, with, with social media, they're looking at supplements and programs and taking supplements that, like, people adding protein and creatine and weight gainers and all this stuff that they don't necessarily need as causing digestive problems and skin, causing skin issues. Yeah. And then that can cause issues then when it comes to, you know, guys feeling confident about their skin, if yeah. there's an issue going on. But um, again, it's much more trendy now. And I think with the more popularity when it comes to any sort of industry, I think the, the support and the infrastructure to help people activate themselves and just be healthier without giving crappy information, you know? Yeah. Um, so with regards to my own story going back to, so we did food intolerance tests and we did the sleep and uh, we took out the foods that, and I was, I was taking probably two to three shakes of protein a day, of whey protein a day, because I needed to get my protein in and I was doing bodybuilding, but my skin was bad. And again, as I said, I used to fart all day, all day. Um, which, uh, you know, but in regards to the thing we done, that I think it was the third step that we took, and um, we did the Dutch test. Yeah. Um, that was a kind of a, that's a, Hormone test, isn't yeah, it? So yeah, so the Dutch, Dutch test stands for Droid Urine Test of Complete Hormones. Yeah. So so what I like, like to say to someone, if I was to take your blood now, Drew, I would see what hormones you have in your blood, mm. right? But it doesn't give me an overall view of what, what's going on. So let, for another example, if I ask you to show me how much money you have in your pocket, you probably have no money in your pocket. We don't carry cash around anymore. Mm. We don't. So when you, take, when you test someone's uh, Dutch test, you test one, what actual money they've made, so what salary they've done, two, what they've spent their money on, and then three, what's free. So a Dutch test is for me, it gives a whole overview of your production of hormones, where you've spent your hormones, how, you, how you've metabolized them, and then what you actually have as a free level. So your salary, what you spent your money on, and then what you have as a disposable income. If I just test your blood, hormones now, it, it only gives me where you are now. So like taking a picture of the Grand Prix and expecting to know who's going to win from mm. one picture. So for me, for the Dutch test and for you having so much uh, different dysfunctions going on when it comes to sleep and stuff like that, I felt it was a better picture to see where mm. our window of, of, of improvement could be. You know? Yeah, yeah. It was, um, <coughs> yeah, I think, um, trying to remember back, but I remember where my cortisol levels like extremely low in the morning, and then they were nearly high at night time, which is the opposite. The opposite, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Which we which we <laughs> sort of knew anyway, but <laughs> but we have raw material like what's called DHA, which is the raw material for a lot of your so hormones from that we're testing. We have anabolic for people out there that's like a positive or plus hormones. And then we've catabolic a breakdown. Now we need both. We we need both. We need to be in harmony in the body. But your lifestyle and your your work ethic and and, and your sleep routine was causing your body to be more breaking down and building up. Yeah. So we wanted to find where on, on your hormonal seesaw we needed to, to change things around. You know, yeah. that's what that Dutch test does. So <clears throat> I speak to clients, um, and the f because I've been there now, some clients, if I get a client in, I'm like right. On the consultation room, they say their sleep is okay, but make it a point going, you are a very, very lucky person because there's a lot of people who have sleep issues and before starting an exercise program or, you know, getting them to eat better, if their sleep is bad, you know, you, that I always say we need to focus on the on that sleep first because um, a lot of clients that come into me, and I'm sure they come into you, most people who sleep bad are overweight and they're stressed. Um, so 
I find I used to find even though I was a personal trainer, I used to find that my cravings and sugar and my diet on the days that I didn't sleep were horrendous. My sugar cravings. Now I probably would have fought them off most of the time, but for someone who wasn't in the in the position that I'm in, um, how important is sleep with sticking to your diet? Well, well, this is the thing. So I like to say to someone, so anytime a client comes in to me, they have a goal. They, they need to know where they want to get to. So I like to think of it like a health sat nav. One, you have your current destination, current location, and two, you have the destination, your health journey. And I like to say to people, imagine we're all sitting in the car, okay? People all feel that exercise should be the driver. But exercise will definitely help you move towards your, your, your destination. But in that car, you have nutrition. In the back of that car, you have mindset. In the back of that car, you have lifestyle. And then you also, I like to call it special considerations. There's always something else going on that may mm. need to be addressed. So on the road to getting you to your health destination, sleep sometimes might need to take the driving force. Yeah. Maybe for the, like, you know, as well as I do, you train someone for the first few weeks, they can't do anything. Yeah. They're learning all the movements. So why don't we say, okay, let's say for the first two weeks, let's learn the movements. So exercise is the passenger, mm. okay? The front seat passenger. And then let's focus on nutrition. So at least when they leave the gym, they know what they should be eating. And then once nutrition is sorted, we keep exercise as the passenger and put sleep. Let's yeah. focus on sleep for two weeks. That means their metabolism will be much better able to digest their food. Now they're eating well during the whole week. And then we swap exercise over. And over four weeks in, you can start to smash them. Yeah. But what do most people do? They try to do aggressive training and aggressive nutrition at the same time. Now, I don't know if you ever tried to drive a car with someone sitting in your lap, Drew. <laughs> well, I'm sure you've never been in that situation. I don't think Maybe so. Maybe not drive, but then he's <laughs> um, But the point being is, you can't. People, people come in going, oh, I want to get fit. So they go, okay, this nutrition this program, yeah. this supplement. And now, all of a sudden, these people, are, they're, they're fatigued yeah. and you can't drive with two people driving the car in, in the driving seat. So I like to say to people, if you train five times a week, it only represents 2.9% of the week. So we need to make sure that our clients and ourselves are complementing our health journey outside of just the window of training. Mm -hmm. You can smash a session in the gym, no problem. If you're not sleeping, you're not balancing your blood sugar, you're not getting the right nutrients in, and you're not having a... You're not balancing your life in a sense. You're not going to get the return of your investment. You know. Yeah. Um, <coughs> and again, this was another issue for me. Um, this is kind of this is kind of one for the lads. Um, for lads who don't sleep, um, what kind of effect does it have on testosterone and libido? Right. So this is the thing about libido, right? I like this. I had a client there during the week about she's got a thyroid problem, and I was trying to say to her about um, men's hormones. We're very simple creatures. We're either hungry or other hungry, right? <laughs> so we're very, very simple, right? W women have a much more of a different hormonal system, a different cycle than we have. But when it comes to men, right, when, when men are feeling low, when men aren't sleeping, not only is their interest in sex going down, but they're not bothered, they're not interested in the sex. So mm. they're in a, such a low place and they want to have sex with someone. Not, you know, it means, one, that you, it, it good for your libido, but you're feeling good about yourself. Mm. You know, you're feeling you want to be close to somebody else. You feel like you want to have that interaction with someone and that's that's a positive thing but and touching and there's a hormone called oxytocin and oxytocin is a feel-good hormone yeah and particularly now i was chatting to a friend of mine 
now I can't shake your hand. Yeah, I can't get, you know give friends of mine hugs that I would see that I haven't seen in a long time. And th these are it's called the hug hormone. But you get it from having sex. You get it from pets. And I, I love. I've seen your dog in the village yeah. the other day. Lovely little dog. My yeah. dog. I'm dying to get a dog again. Our dog we had for nine years. Loved loved the dog and mm. very similar to your dog. So a dogs charity sex hug and contact all boosts oxytocin and it feels good to have that connection. But when that's going down for a man and he's not interested, it's an early warning sign that there's a there's something going going wrong. Mm. Now, when it comes to testosterone, like uh, there's a joke about testosterone that it makes you a man's a man, makes you hairy, makes you strong, makes you muscular. But like flicking the balls will kill you, you know. So <laughs> you know, so they're very sensitive. But this is the interesting thing when it comes to hormones. When a man is stressed out, his hormone levels will decline, particularly with testosterone. Why? Because the body wants to keep you alive now. The body wants to have balance. It's called homeostasis. We want equilibrium. We, our body is not concerned that your arms aren't 18 inches. Mm. Uh, concerned with keeping you alive now. So if you've got poor sleep, your testosterone will go down. If you have poor blood sugar management, your blood sugar will go down. If you're constantly stressed out, your, your testosterone will go down. So testosterone is an anabolic hormone. But a lot of people equate it to muscle mass, and equated to sex and hormones and erections, which it is involved in. But for me, it's much more impact on mental health and, and doing a job and getting satisfaction from it, having interaction with someone and getting satisfaction from it, completing the task and feeling good. And when people are not, you know, don't get enjoyment from stuff, they don't have engagement, they they're, 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 they prefer to be more isolated and not engage with people, that's a sign that the testosterone has gone down. Yeah. Now, Dr. Neil Rougier has some really good content on, on, um, on testosterone. And another colleague of mine, Jay Campbell, that's great. I think I sent you yeah, one of his books. So Jay good. Campbell and Dr. Neil Rougier yeah. have some great content when it comes to testosterone. But please, when people look at testosterone and people declining, it's not based on muscle mass. Yeah. It's not based off your erection and how it's it based off how good you're feeling as a man. Like it's a vital hormone we need it. But blood sugar problems and not sleeping it will drop down. And th this is like for me, it, it, it's a sign if your testosterone is going down, you're digging a big hole. You're not recovering. You know, and I, I hate that term. My mother says it the whole time. You're trying to burn the candle for both ends. You can't actually do it. I've tried to do it. <laughs> the bottom one goes out the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> right? So I understand, but that's what's happening. You're working more than you're recovering. Mm. And the body, is, the body is clever. The body is trying to keep you alive now. So it's declining your testosterone because it's using the raw material, which is DHEA, and pregnanolone, all these other metabolites, for other stuff. So I say to clients, and I draw a little picture on my whiteboard you have X amount of euro in your bank you have a, you have a, a thousand euro in your bank account you can either set, you can spend it on stress hormones to keep you alive now or sex hormones and every time the body will spend it on uh, stress hormones because it wants to keep you alive now yeah. so the problem is your libido your concentration your enjoyment they'll all go down because the body is trying to, it's, it's sacrificing it's reacting to this unhealthy unstable you know unsupported unrecharged life that you're living mm. you know but it's early warning sign and the next thing there Drew just quickly, when it comes to sleep, sleep, one of the biggest problems that, that people can have with sleep, if you've got a big waist, a big uh, uh, waist to hip ratio, you've got fat tissue. Yeah. And we call that VAT. You know, nobody likes pain VAT. <laughs> but VAT, VAT is a, what's called visceral adipose tissue. And inside that visceral adipose tissue, I like to think of Gokwan. You know Gokwan? Yeah. Okay. So what Gokwan does is he takes that testosterone, does a makeover and he turns it into estrogen. Right. So people that have big fat bellies, they they aromatize, they break testosterone down and turn it into estrogen. So men that have big bellies, they might be having, you know, might be making 100% of the testosterone, but they may be converting 90% of the estrogen. Okay. So, and then that happens with more sleep. That happens when you're overstressed. So not only are they, they're making it, they, they're, the body's making it, but the body's like, no, I'm going to convert it. 
So their fat bellies are causing that. Okay. Then when people are sleeping at night time, when you have a large waist hip ratio or you've got a neck over 17 inches, you might snore. Snoring is one of the biggest causes of what's called obstructive sleep apnea, where people are not getting restorative sleep. So then you can see the cycle. Yeah. So then blood sugar problems, yeah. testosterone reduction, uh, testosterone aromatization into estrogen, big waste. You know, then libido goes down. They can't even see their, yeah. you know. So th these things all cycle. And then what people do is smash them in the gym. So what, what's that going to do? Yeah, yeah. It's just going to bone them out. And this is the thing. And a lot of times people go, no, I have to cook calories. Well, I'm, I'm not going to get on the calorie wagon just yet. Mm. But for me, food is broken, down, not for me, for in, in the world, food is broken into two categories, macronutrients and micronutrients. And when people start to cut their macronutrients, they, they, the every single time the micronutrients go down. And we need these cofactors and coenzymes to make the hormones. So if, you don't, if you're not consuming a diet that is rich in the, the, the nutrient-supporting enzymes for testosterone, it's not going to be there. Yeah. If you've got a very low-fat diet, like cholesterol is the raw material, the raw molecule for your cortisol, for your testosterone, for your estrogen. So if you're on a low-fat diet, you, and, and this is the thing, 70% of, of the cholesterol in our body, we make. So, like again, I'm, I'm not jumping mm. down the wagon, but I want to support people, but exercise, and I love exercise, mm. I love it, yeah. but it, it's, it's, it's not the... It's a fraction know? of it, yeah. yeah. Just in relation to, obviously, that's um, speaking about the lads, does the same apply to the ladies? Is there a hormone that affects their, or sorry, if uh, poor sleep is, does poor sleep affect any hormones in the female body to the same extent? 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I was chatting to that lady during the week on, on about thyroid. And what I was trying to say to her is we're, we, uh, we all get messages into our body. We have an axis in our body called the HPA axis. And for, for want of a better word, it's basically like a, a satellite, it's antennas, we're getting all these messages in. Let's say we were all females, mm. all of us, and we're living in a house. What would happen? All our cycles would sink. What? How weird is that? That if we were all females living in a house, our menstrual cycles would, would sink together. How weird is that? Really? Yeah. Wow. You never heard that before? No, no, no that um. happens regularly. So what happens is the outside environment, and from an evolutionary point of view, what they would say is Robert Sapolsky, who has, is a great researcher, man, he's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. What he would say is the body would sink, they would sink up so they would have kids at the same time and so on, you know? Wow. But outside influences have a huge impact on our body, huge impact. And oxytocin, and not, not <laughs> come here to me, don't be looking for advice for women from me, my wife will tell you that, but <laughs> oxytocin, women are, are different when it comes to sex, and that's a gross generalisation, but blood sugar management, poor sleep problems. Now this is the thing, what do they say about the fat tissue that it converts testosterone to estrogen in men, mm. but it can do the exact opposite for the women. Opposite, okay. So then you see a woman that has what we call uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and not everyone that has PCOS will have um, cysts in their ovaries, but some do. But it can be down to blood sugar issue, it can be down to an adrenal issue. But a lot of these women, you'll see, they'll have increased hair growth in their arm. They'll have deeper voices, they'll have even more increased growth of hair on their face. So that that's a situation where they could be actually turning their estrogen into testosterone. And then that's an imbalance. So we all need the same hormone, but we need them in the right amount of balance, in the right cycle, and the right rotation and clearance. One of the things... I find really common, and, and, and this is stuff we talked about before. When you have a hormone in your body, the hormone has a job. So I'm, I'm testosterone. I have my job, I do my job, I get metabolized, I'm gone. 
and then my body makes it over, turns it over. The problem is estrogen in our body. We have estrogen in our body and we have progesterone, women in particular, progesterone and estrogen in a female's body. What happens is when we, you can have what's called estrogen dominance. We have very low progesterone and higher estrogen. And that can be down to a multitude of reasons. But one of the biggest impact reasons I see in my clinic is that women aren't getting rid of their estrogen. So they're making the restroom, they're metabolizing, they're detoxifying it, they're, they're biotransforming it or getting it ready to get, to get rid of it, but then they're not coming to the bathroom. Mm. They, they go to the bathroom once a week. And I say to clients all the time, how regularly are you to the bathroom? Oh, very regular, every Wednesday, you know? So the problem is there, we need to be making sure that they're getting rid of the estrogen. But if the estrogen is getting reabsorbed, their estrogen levels are constantly going up because they're not getting rid of it. And then you'll see particularly what's called gynoid, a body fat deposition, or what other people call as pear-shaped. They get much more fat deposition on their quads, on their bum, on their lower back, and on their triceps. Mm. So when you start to see that, and then if I help you balance your, your gut health, I help you detoxify better, all of a sudden people are losing weight off arms and legs that they never thought about before. And this, the body is trying to balance the stress environment it's in so if you metabolize that and you balance things down the body will transform mm. and one of my big pet hates is particularly is with women they go on these low calorie diets but the biggest the, the, the regulator of your metabolism the regulator of fat loss the regulator of mental health the thyroid is heavily involved there and if you start to bring calories down the thyroid will say hang on a second this this person's eating less food maybe I'll wind things down so I can be more efficient at this lower calorie level so thyroid health, health is fundamental mm. so I, I think a lot of times when women are doing nutrition advice and to men to a certain degree as well there's a lot of other things in play I'm not saying that the, it's all hormones I'm not saying it's all sleep I'm saying it's it's individual for the person, but it's not yeah. just all calories, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. These, that's like I've dealt with hundreds, hundreds of clients over the years, and in my early stages of my career, I probably just would have focused on calories in versus calories out and exercise. But now I've learned so much that a lot of the time, it's uh, if I'm speaking to a client, maybe the third or fourth point is okay. Let's look at your calories. If someone's coming in, they're stressed. They're not going to the toilet and they're not sleeping. You know, there's no point of, yeah. not not that there's no point of setting a calorie goal. Obviously, the fundamentals of fat loss is calories. But if your body's not in the optimal position to be going into a calorie deficit, I have two clients at the moment and they uh, they both have thyroid issues. And they're both going to their doctors and they're both on medication and stuff. And we went down like extreme, extremely low calories and still. Still nothing going on. Yeah. And it's and it's it's hard to try to say to someone, look, I need you to eat more. They're like, yeah. oh, well, I'm not going to lose weight. Well, you know, that's just going to be it for a while. But if they see them even putting on weight and like, I had a client before and she was like eating sub a thousand <clears throat> calories and she still wasn't losing. Yeah. And I said, are you tracking seven days a week? And she says, one million percent. Because I said to her, look, I need to know. There's no point in me saying, oh, well, you're eating... Eight nine hundred calories up until Friday, and then you're eating three or four thousand calories. She goes, I'm. Um, she tracked every mm. single thing, and she was eating like under seven thousand calories for seven days, yeah. and there was nothing happening yeah. on the scales. And I was like, what the? You know, like I had this I had this <clears throat> debate debate with Luke, one of our trainers from the Artane gym, and we're talking about a calorie deficit, and he was basically trying to say to me, once you're in a calorie deficit, you lose weight. No. And, and, and I said, I'm trying to explain to you, Luke, that you've heard of the Pirelli principle, 80-20 rule. Yeah. Like 80% of people, if they cut their calories, they lose weight. Yeah. They will. Yeah. They will. And all those people on Instagram and on Facebook sharing that, for sure. But I don't see the 80%. Mm. 
I see yeah, the twenty percent, yeah. and they, because they don't come to us, yeah. Drew, because they get results without seeing a trainer. Yeah. You know, and their metabolisms are great, and they're you know no problem. But it's the twenty percent of people that have some sort of dysfunction. So to go back to the car analysis, if we imagine the car is sitting here, and we say, okay, I'm going to put X amount of fuel in it, and I'll go X amount of distance. That's what should happen, yeah. yeah? But what journey did that car have before it got to you? Maybe it was off-road and there's no air in the tyres. Maybe there's no oil in the engine. Yeah. Maybe the steering wheel is off track. And so sometimes when clients come, their metabolisms need to be addressed. Their hormones need to be addressed. Their sleep needs to be addressed. Their mental health needs to be addressed. Also, really good research on people. Like exercise, above every single intervention when it comes to mental health, is helpful. Yeah. And, and, and any exercise, for that matter. It doesn't have to be weightlifting or bodybuilding or whatever. Mm. Any form of exercise will help mental health. However, if you go into a training session in a depressed or a lower uh, mental health state, your your testosterone, your anabolic hormones is lower. Mm. Right. So when we, when we want our clients to improve their health and well-being, I think I went off track there for a second. <laughs> what, was I, what was I saying there? Oh, the car, the yeah, car. Yeah, so yeah. when, when we're, we're the calories are one thing. Yeah, the car got lost. The car got lost. Sat now, We're rerouting. <laughs> we're back on track. So the point being is, sometimes it is the calories, but a lot of times when clients like that's below a thousand calories, they should for sure be losing weight. Yeah. But maybe there's something else going on. Maybe there's a fuse blown somewhere. Maybe yeah. something else is going on, and that's when we need to investigate something else. So, mm. for me, I don't deal with the people that just lose weight by burning calories, reducing yeah. the calories. But what his point was, well, it's still not a deficit for them. And I'm saying, going, well, you know what the problem is is the body isn't healthy enough to, to use that information from a calorie deficit to get them there. Yeah. Now, my opinion is, when like this is the thing, what are we actually trying to do for most of the people? And th this, is, this is fundamental to, to fat loss. What we're trying to do is burn our own fat. Yeah, so that's not the food. There we go. So this is the key thing. <clears throat> so when it comes to fat loss, for the majority of people out there, what you're trying to do is enhance your own body's ability to burn your own fat stores when you're not eating. Yeah. That's all the way. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to put less calories in so the body says, this fella has not given you enough food today. Let's tap into our bank account of fat and burning. And that's what's called beta oxidation. Mm -hmm. We're breaking down our own fat tissue in our cells. So uh, in order for that to happen, we need our factories to be efficient at burning that fuel. And we need carnitine for that. We need magnesium for that. We need CoQ10 for that. We need iron for that. You know how many women I see that are, 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 are anemic? Loads of them yeah. don't eat any red meat. But if you're not eating red meat, how are you getting carnitine? If you don't have carnitine, how can you bring fat in, inside the cell to be born? So they're missing all these links, but they're on a calorie deficit. I'm not, and this is the, just, just so you know something. Imagine, imagine me and you are, are, are in one of our cells right now. Our cells have no clue what a calorie is. Yeah. No clue. That's a man-made unit of measurement. The, 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 your metabolism, you, your, your cells don't know what a calorie is. They know what a protein, a fat, and a carb is. They know all the molecules and all the receptors, but they don't know what calories are. So when we're feeding our body calories, the body doesn't interpret that. It interprets the macronutrients, interprets the micronutrients. So if you're giving less calories, but you're not giving the, the, the right coenzymes and nutrients and hormonal situation, it won't be able to do its job. Yeah. So for me, a lot of people are inefficient fat burners from a multitude of reasons, and it's about me to identify where the weak link is in the car, to fix it in order, so when a calorie deficit is implemented, the body says, you know what, I know what to do, I'm yeah. ready to do it. But a lot of people aren't, that's why they're in the position in the first place. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a, I, I see it, and you probably don't see it as much as I do, but I see it on Instagram and Facebook that it, it, it the people say it's, it's as simple as calories in, calories out, and it's like, I am a fan of that because it is, but you've just you've just literally hit the nail on the head that it doesn't necessarily matter that 
obviously the calories are coming in, but you need to see what's going on, how they're going out, and how we're dipping into that stored fat. 100%. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, now, all the people out there saying, no, I, I think you're full of shit on. I, I tell you now, I have seen a walk people on a calorie deficit and it works for them. It yeah, really does. Yeah. But not for everybody. Yeah. You know? So it's, yeah. it, everyone's metabolism is different. Everyone's hormonal system is different. I'm not trying to say your hormones off, you're not going to lose weight. You're still eating McDonald's because it just opened the queue. You drove yeah. away to McDonald's. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, but the point is, I, I get that. Mm. But again, it, food is information to the body. We need to make sure metabolism working correctly and then a calorie deficit will work. But if the, if the stage isn't set, the calorie reduction model, it just won't be as efficient as, yeah. as possible. Yeah. Um, that's kind of I mean, we've touched on a few things here but um, the next kind of topic is digestion um, and as I said I've been there um, with poor digestion getting bloated all the time and again I get a lot of clients into me and they're like yeah I get bloated on X, Y and Z and, um, and again on my consultation form because I think it's easier to send out a pre-consultation form and I ask them the kind of awkward questions but yeah. then you've got to speak about it Um about going to the bathroom every day. Guys are okay. I actually had a guy in a few months ago, and he was, and it was, it was the first guy I've, that that I can remember. And he was like, "No, uh, every three or four days." And I was like, mm. "That's it's strange for yeah, to hear it, from it a is. guy." Um, and I proceeded to tell him I go to the toilet more times in a day than you do in a week. And he was like, "What really?" And he just thought um, that was a norm. And he mm. was like, probably he said maybe three times a week and I was like that could be me in a day and yeah. he was like what? I was like yeah I said I get loads of work done from the bathroom because I spend a good yeah. 40 minutes in it and, but don't ever touch my phone <laughs> <laughs> but he couldn't he couldn't get over that but speaking to a lot the females they would they would always be maybe maybe every two three days you know and like um. They always ask me, you know, is that normal? I said, no, you should be going to the bathroom every single day. What do you think is the main reason why females don't go to the bathroom as much? Well, that, that's that's an open-ended question. Yeah. That, that, it'll be hard to answer what's the major yeah. reason. Well, first of all, so you have, you, we have a, a nervous system, mm. um, we have an autonomic nervous system. There's two branches to that. There's what's called the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. And a lot of times, we're not in direct... Like right now, you're not in control of your stomach acid. Yeah. You're not in control of, of the food moving down your, your small and large intestine. You're not in control of that. However, you were potty trained at some stage of your life. Mm. I would hope so. Yeah. Unless this room is going to have a... <laughs> very smelly. But, <laughs> yeah, but we have what's called our enteric nervous system. And our enteric nervous system is the branch of our nervous system that controls our, you know, our digestive system. Now, I interesting enough, um, last year my, my daughter, I collected her from school. I don't often collect her from school, but I had this opportunity to collect her. And I, and I, I seen her come to the door and I went, you know, your kid doesn't look, what, what's going on there? She goes, I need to go to the bathroom. I said, well, you're not going to school. I didn't want to go for a poo in school. Um, mm. And again, she's, I don't know what if maybe the situation's happened and my wife hasn't told me, but she didn't want to go to the bathroom school. For whatever reason, I think she didn't want to have an accident, want to mm. clean herself, whatever it is. So you you can actually control yourself. You, you, your your headspace can 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 obviously yeah. we can control our bells. Mm. So a lot of time when someone is under stress and we have sympathetic and parasympathetic imbalance, we're not in the rest and digest state and we're constantly in the sympathetic dominance, which means we're always fighting and flighting, we're running, we're working, we're managing people, we're looking after people. That researcher, uh, Dr. Robert Sapolsky. 
he calls it the tend and befriend. They're always looking after everybody else. And mm. I'm not going to say this to be sexist, but in my experience, particularly with my mother, she looks after everybody else. It's that everyone else comes first. And then she's constantly in that fight and flight response and not in the rest and digest. And that can impact the flow of digestion. That can impact the enzymatic function. That can impact the, the gallbladder and, and the bile acids. Um, and then it can cause a slowdown of, of gastro-emptying time or the transit time area, your bowel movements. But it, you should be going to the bathroom at least once a day. Okay. And as you said there, you ask a guy, oh man, the phone's out, there's yeah, pictures. Yeah. That was a topper, <laughs> yeah, that was an yeah. evacuator, yeah. that was a magician. There's yeah. names for it. Yeah. You ask a woman, Ooh. Yeah, yeah. I tell people, my wife was a ninja shitter for years. Like I'd never known when she's going to the bathroom. She was she's stealth like stealth, you know. Yeah. But for me, the biggest roadblock when it comes to, to women going to the bathroom is I want them to go regularly. Right, and then I want to find out if they have any pain, if they have any urgency. Hydration is key. Yeah. Well, also, when people go on a, on a low carb diet, a low carb diet is a low magnesium diet and low, a low sodium diet. So I might add some magnesium and sodium into to a woman. Next of all, I try to get them coffee. Get, is a very good uh, mm. initiator first thing in the morning. There's a number of things that you can do to get people going to the bathroom correctly. But I want to identify where the biggest stumbling block is. Is it a food relation? Is it, is, is it it's too fibrous? Because fiber can be very positive for a lot of people, but it also can slow stuff down, you know? Mm, it can draw that. water into the gut and stuff like that. So for me, I want to identify where the biggest roadblock is. But it could be food related, it could be nervous system related. And um, also probiotics, you know? A lot of women get in trush and candida and stuff like that, that's giving me an indication that there is a, an imbalance in the bacteria in the gut. So the answer to that question, Drew, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I would look at hydration first of all, I yeah. would look at fibre intake, I would look at sodium intake, um, and sometimes it, it can, the thyroid can read, slow bowel movement is very closely correlated to thyroid problems. If the women out there have any enlargement around their neck, they've got cold hands, cold feet, if they've got an irregular menstrual cycle and they're losing the lateral tour of their eyebrow, I would start to go down, possibly addressing some sort of thyroid dysfunction, you know? The but lateral tour of the eyebrow. Yeah, well, yeah I make yeah, this stuff yeah. up. You, I do yeah. not. Yeah, no. And most no, because I remember that's that just literally binging my brain. Yeah. I remember you, uh, when I went to first, you checked my eyes, my skin, my hands, everything. But you No, no, not everything. Not everything. Not everything, Drew. <laughs> that was, that was, that was extra. <laughs> uh, but you checked the lateral third of my eyebrow. Yeah. And it kind of was gone, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, it was kind of starting to fade a bit. Yeah, the yeah. same thing with men, the lateral aspect of their calf. So that right around your shin, if you're losing the hair on the outside of your shin, all the genes rub off it. Would you go on out of that, the genes I rub have, off it? I have a client that yeah. does it's, yeah. re it's really common. The three things you need to look at is testosterone, yeah. Adrenals and blood sugar. They're, really? Yeah. So these are the things, physical signs and symptoms are something that I, I was so passionate about for years. Now, luckily now over the last few years, I, I can take blood to myself and I run loads of bloods. So rather than just doing physical exam, so when I do a physical exam, I look at everything. Hair, nails, tongue, eyes, dandruff, skin. Actually, that's an interesting thing when it comes to bell movements for women. If you have to sand part of your heel off because your skin has grown excessively on the heels of your feet. Mm. That's not normal. No. We shouldn't have to sand parts of our body down. So if you've got an excessive growth of skin on the heel of your, of your foot, particularly females, it's, it can be strongly related to essential fatty acids, omega-3s deficiency, and gluten problems. So you should not have to have, you know, 
sand off parts of your skin that are grown excessively. Yeah. It's not normal. So that's something that I would definitely address. Also in Ireland, and I actually have it, you have what's called hyperfollicular keratosis. Or <laughs> How do you spell that one? Yeah. Or <laughs> goose skin is the easy one. We have little red dots in the back of your arm. Yes. Tricep yes. Area. It's really common. And, and what that can be very attributed to is low vitamin A, D, E and K mm. and omega trees. So if you ask the people out there that they've got those bumps in the back of the arm, they go away in holidays, then they go away. But no, women exfoliate the crap out of it. They're going to get rid of it. It won't. It's a genetic polymorphism that's in, in the Irish population. Highly, high in Sweden as well, for that matter. Mm. Yeah. You just mentioned um, to, uh, AD, Ian K. Mm. Um, we did, last year, we did all my clients' <coughs> bloods and um, Owen came over to our gym and we took 12 or 15 clients and he came yeah, back. Came back the second yeah, yeah, we did about 30 people and we sat down and we reviewed the bloods. Now, I was learning a bit at the time, but a lot of it was going over my head. But Owen was obviously able to explain to me. And the majority of clients that we looked at, um, we were obviously giving them recommendations to. Mm. And most people were low in A, D, E, K yeah. and B. Yeah. Um, you know, what, and obviously that's down to poor diet, but obviously uh, we're all lacking in vitamin D because of where we live, but um, vitamin B was a huge one. Yeah, well, um, anytime I've gone over to you, like we've, I'm, I still take a, a very good vitamin B, but what's the main reason why people are kind of low in all them, the A, D, E, K and vitamin B? Well, this is the thing. The B complex, like all, all the B vitamins, we mainly absorb them from animal protein. Yeah. And from plants, it is very hard to subtract them from plants. Yeah. So particularly folate, you get folate and foliage, okay? So you get it in green, green mm. leafy vegetables and so on. But folic acid, just so the listeners know, is not folate. Folic acid is a synthetic man-made form. So people keep using the word folate. It's, it, it's incorrect. It's fo folic acid is incorrect. Folate is a real word. So we have an inability of sometimes absorbing that. In particular, it's quite, it's, it's a common a mutation or gene abnormality in Ireland that we don't absorb B9 in particular. But B6, you were asking earlier about anxiety. B6 is strongly related to anxiety issues. We have brain hormones, for want of a better word, they're called neurotransmitters, dopamine, acetylcholine, you've heard all these serotonin. Every single one of those neurotransmitters needs B6. So if you're on a B6 uh, deficient diet, your chance of being balanced when it comes to a brain hormone point of view is massive, you know? Mm. So for me, it's either intake, that you're not intaking enough of the, of the B vitamins, you're not absorbing the food correctly, or you're using them up too much. And a lot of diets I see are deficient in that in the first place. If you And my first approach for a lot of people is to look at their diets before I do the bloods. No point doing bloods to find out where someone's nutrient status is. If I can see in your, your food diet, you haven't eaten a vegetable since you know the millennium. Yeah. So for me, I look at intake first, but then I look at how people absorb the food. Now, particularly vitamin A, D, E, and K are what's called fat-soluble vitamins. So they're in fat, fat, uh, containing foods and sometimes they can be more difficult to subtract they're harder to take out of the food and get into the body so when we you have a deficit like that and particularly vitamin a with eyesight so for example if you're driving your car at night time and you always think that people have their head <laughs> lamps on that's a sign that you can't restrict your eyes you, the, the dilation and restriction of your pupils is compromised that's highly correlated to, to vitamin a deficiency easy bruising as well is, is in there mm -hmm. vitamin d everyone i've tested has a problem with vitamin d particularly in ireland you know yeah. so that's something that so you need to be addressed and if you are taking vitamin d do not take high dosages guys unless you've been tested by someone to see where your levels are at mm. 
And for me, high doses are above 5,000 IUs, and it should be taken with vitamin K1 as well. So, yeah, so so for me, when it comes to your clients having fat soluble vitamins deficiency and B, B, uh, B complex deficiency, it's either intake, yeah. absorption, or they're using it off. Interesting point anemia, there's a lot of different forms of anemia, B12 and, and iron and so on. And um, in, inside your body, you have a, a, a cell that carries oxygen around. People may have heard it called, it's called hemoglobin. And hemoglobin is, is, a, is, a, is an iron protein carrying a, a cell in the body. And it carries oxygen around the body. So if we think about all those cells that need to do their job, your bone cells, your eye cells, your skin cells, they need oxygen, they need energy. And what happens is the blood will deliver stuff to it. But if you're deficient in B12, you're deficient in B6, you're deficient in iron, you don't make those cells correctly. And one of the key things I see constantly is that people aren't making their hemoglobin the right size so it can be delivered all over the place. So running, this is when I read this research, I was like, no, nah, that can't be right. And I looked and looked and looked and looked. Every time you run and your heel strikes the ground, you damage thousands and thousands of, of hemoglobin. So people that run quite a lot mm. actually damage their hemoglobin, which is putting more pressure on the body to oxygenate themselves. So I'm not saying don't go running. Maybe saying that a little bit. But yeah. <laughs> no, no, long steady yeah. state cardio for ages can, can wear anybody down. Yeah, but the point is your lifestyle can be impacting your cellular health. And if you're, if you're anemic, no wonder you're fatigued all the time. The number one symptom of every known disease in the world is fatigue. Yeah. Like people awake, they're dragging themselves through the day. So maybe they're not their diet is deficient in Bs or twelve, B, B, B nine or B twelve or low iron, or they've got proper problems with copper. So they're, they're not making the right hemoglobin. And then no wonder, no matter what's going on in your life, you're not delivering the oxygen to the cells to do their job. Yeah, you know. Now, I said at the start, every time I spoke to you, my brain hurts. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I'm sure the listeners are. That's uh, a lot to what's this take. Of talking yeah. Now. It's, uh, as I said, it's uh, incredible information. Um, we touched, uh, just, just kind of one of the last um, topics and then we got a couple of questions. Uh, we touched a little bit on intermittent fasting. Um, yeah. And obviously everyone has been doing some sort of fasting for years because breakfast means break fast. Yeah. So, you know, I t- I started it uh, probably the, probably one of the main reasons why I started was because I was getting um f- I was getting fatigued and bloated every time I ate first thing in the morning so I just said you know what I'm just gonna skip breakfast um and I've done it for a long time and um I won't eat today till about one o'clock maybe and I'll be fine uh, if if I go past one o'clock obviously blood sugars drop and hunger goes through the roof and it's taken me a it's taken me a f- like a long time to get this right um it's gone for me and it's gone against me i've gone into 12 o'clock in the day and been hungry and i've eaten like a salad or something and that hasn't even touched the sides eat eat way too quickly and then i'm in the press or i'm going back to the shop or i'm or i'm getting something else and you know half an hour later i've eaten 2000 calories going wow um i i speak to people and they're kind of They've either seen it on the internet or someone else. Oh, I'm trying this intermittent fasting. It's great, you know, and they may be fasting till 10 o'clock because uh, they were eating at 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. Um, and anything that I've read, you know, that you can class kind of fast um, that's going to have any kind of benefit for it needs to be over 16 hours. And then obviously, and I've done a 24-hour fast whenever, but what's the main... What's the like? What's the main advantage of doing intermittent fasting? 
Okay, so it, it's a relatively big topic. So I'll yeah. try to summarize yeah. this as quickly as it's I can. Usual, yeah. So imagine you have a kitchen, as we said earlier on. In your kitchen, the body is, digests food. Okay, and then once the food is cooked, the body clean, the kitchen's cleaned up. Mm. When we're fasting, we give more time for our body to clean ourselves up, to mm. clean the kitchen, to get the utensils ready, to get the enzymes, to clean the fridge, to clean the oven, to clean everything. Now, the more food you have to cook, the more meals you have, the less time you have to do all this. So if you are only eating within an eight-hour window, it means you've got 16 hours to clean the kitchen. Yeah. Now, the be major benefit of, of fasting in, in general, the major benefit is that, let's say you clean your kitchen and it's all clean and you're standing there going, I've nothing else to do. Well, maybe I'll fix the toaster or maybe I'll, I'll fix the, the, the drawer. So the body starts to fix things that are going wrong. So what it's called autophagy. And what autophagy basically would mean is cells that aren't good doing the job, boom, they're gone. New cells come in, so you're, cell turnover. So you're, you're, you know, cleaning out the place. You're doing maintenance, and then what the body can do is imagine that you had um, two toasters plugged in, and one the, the plug is working on one, and the other one was a much better toast, but had no no plug on it. So you take the plug off one. So you you combine the elements of one uh, appliance that's working mm. well and one that's that needs a refinement, and then you put them together. So what you do is you get the parts that are working on one cell. Take the good parts out, get rid of the bad parts, and take the other parts from another one. So it's it, it's mitophagy or autophagy is the same sort of um, process where the body refines how things work better in the kitchen, you know. And then that's the major benefit. So no matter what cell health you have, you're turning over, you're cleaning it, and then you're getting rid of the waste products. So I think intermittent fasting and fasting in general is is phenomenal. There's some really good researchers out there, Dr. Sasha Panda. So has some great contact and uh, also uh, Dr. Peter Atida has some really good contact but the biggest thing is that it needs to be done for at least four days in a row that, that's mm. quite solid in research four consecutive days in a row and you need to mix it up for me intermittent fasting is something that I add in later down the line so maybe for the first two weeks we focus on getting the nutrient content in and then the next two weeks we focus on maybe sleep the next two weeks we might do intermittent fasting Monday to Thursday where we skip dinner I honestly believe the best approach is to start skipping I dinner yeah, this, yeah. I tried that and I tried it because one of the last times I was over with you we decided because I was doing it the other way we said let's just try it the opposite so have breakfast and yeah. stop eating you know between 4 and 6 p.m and um because i've been the opposite side for since i'm in the industry because I, I was working till 10 o'clock yeah. every night i, I would have been eating at 10 o'clock every night or eight o'clock and i tried it for a week or two and i was like no i just yeah. not so, i don't like to say that i couldn't do it but i was coming home from work at eight o'clock and my whole thing now will be between 7 and 8 p.m come home from work have some downtime and sit down and eat. Yeah. And I was coming in, go, what do I do? And I yeah. was going, I was going for a walk. I was reading, but then I was reading. I was thinking about food. I was having a <laughs> bath. I was doing yeah. everything you can think of. I was even tidying the house. And you can, and you can ask Jen. That doesn't happen a lot. Uh, I was trying to keep. I was trying to keep my mind occupied. Now I probably didn't give it long enough, but it was like I was like, this is way too hard. I can't. I can't do it. But I can see the. Benefits of it, yeah. Yeah, so let's, it's not an ideal intervention for you, so I wouldn't yeah. recommend it for you. Yeah. But let's say you take a typical client yeah. who's looking to improve their body composition, improve their blood sugar management, and help with sleep. If you say to them, okay, <laughs> Bob, Billy, whatever, you're not going to have dinner hmm. for four nights. Monday to Thursday, you're not having dinner, which means they're going to have to be focused on getting good 
calories in and good quality food in at breakfast, lunch and maybe another snack. Yeah. When they get home is where the people are stressed out and they tend to overeat. Mm. And they eat the majority, if you were to do a percentage scale, maybe normally they had 10% of breakfast, if anything, maybe a 15% lunch and the majority is coming in at dinner. So by, by flipping that on, on its head and having a bigger breakfast, a bigger lunch and a, and a nice snack, and when they get home, the, the decision is... Zero, nothing. Do you take it away? Yeah. You know, and, and and for me, there's a lot of mindless eating. People eat in front of the television. They eat way too much. But by taking that decision away, it massively will impact on sleep. It'll help them. Like when they, if you take away dinner from a from a person, the next morning. They're, yeah, they're, they're hungry, yeah. they're ravenous. And yeah. then what happens then, it's resetting their circadian clock. So they're waking up hungry and cortisol is high. So for me, also when you don't eat, you're relying on your stress hormones to bring your blood sugar up. And a lot of people that start intermittent fasting start by skipping breakfast because it's the easiest. But they're not hormonally balanced and in the optimal state to maximize that. If anything, they're going to start breaking muscle mass down mm. to maintain blood sugar and that's that can cause problems in that itself. That probably would have been a big thing that I would have known. I, I tend to have breakfast Sundays, but... Going back, I would have been probably stressed in the morning, tired in the morning, and then I was getting zero food in. So that obviously probably wasn't beneficial yeah. for me. Obviously now I'm in a much better position now, so it does work for me. But um, yeah, I I kind of hear and I speak to people that, oh yeah, I just get breakfast now. But I know deep down that they're not the kind of people who should be doing it because yeah. they are stressed and they're not sleeping. And, you know, over the years that I've been doing it, I, I could go into lunchtime and I could be busy up until 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock and I could go and get food and I could have something, you know, fairly reasonable but I'd be starving all day. So, yeah. you know, it took me like a long time to get to that but not saying that fast that everybody should fast but you need to be very, very careful with it. Yeah, and you have leptin and ghrelin hormones that are satiety and hunger hormones but I honestly find a lot of people started intermittent fasting that aren't healthy enough to, to yeah, do it in the first yeah, place. Yeah. Now, what I would say is, if, when it comes to fastest cardio and people trying to exercise in the morning on a fasted state, you can definitely do fasted cardio, no problem. When yeah. you start to lift weights and you're fasted, you don't get the same pump, you don't get the same glycogen depletion from the muscle, you don't get the same hormonal effect. So for guys out there, if you're training in the gym and, and you're not getting the pump in the muscle that you're trying to activate, it's a sign that you may be glycogen depleted, you're not doing the exercise correctly, but that's a sign that you're not getting the best return from your training. So intermittent fasting can be very beneficial for a lot of people, but at the right time, make sure your metabolism is optimal to, to use it. But if it's putting more stress in your metabolism, just because it's a calorie deficit, I know lots of people that do it, and they're not calorie deficit. Yeah, they get no, the calories no, yeah, in that window yeah, as well, yeah. you know. Oh, that was that was me for a while. That no. you might only eat, you know, seven or eight hundred calories during the day, but then when you come home, yeah, oh, you, go, you could yeah, easily you catch up, yeah, two, no. three thousand calories in a second. You know? Easy, and you mightn't think. I remember there was one evening that I was tracking all my food, and I had like a couple of turkey burgers, bag of rice, broccoli, and then that was eight, nine hundred calories, and then I had protein bars and other kind of things and then I had more and more and it was like I actually tracked on I ate like 2,300 calories in like 40 minutes I was lying on the couch going oh. and then I was like up in bed going you know I can't sleep yeah. you know so it it's not you know it's not the fix and it's a kind of a buzzword thrown around now intermittent fasting is great mm. you know I think people are trying to use it for restricting calories which yeah. is obviously um an option, but there is definitely, a, there is 
definitely more health benefits oh, for sure, to for sure. give your body a break from yeah, fear. Yeah, you know, right? and, and um, Mike Mutzel, uh, M-U-T-Z-E-L, Mike Mutzel, he has a lot of research on it and there's, there's tons of research, but it's the right intervention for the right person with the yeah. right environment. Yeah. So I've got clients that say to me, oh, I can intermittent fast, Monday to Thursday, no problem, no dinner, yeah. but I want to sit down with my wife on a Friday. You know, I want I want to have breakfast with the kids and on Saturday and Sunday. No problem, change it. Yeah. And at no point, a friend of mine says, when you see a straight line with anything, that's not good, particularly no. in the hospital. Yeah. So mix things up. <laughs> Maybe for a few days you you get you only have dinner, and then the weekend you have Friday night you you overindulge. Yeah. But then maybe on Saturday morning. You go for you, a walk. You I do a fasted fast. walk to, to burn off the excess uh, blood sugar that you've, you accumulate that night. And then Sunday, you have a relaxed day. You eat whatever window you want. Mm. Then Monday, you're back at it again. Yeah, you know, yeah. So it has to be personalized. It has to be real world. I like to follow what's called the MD principle, maintainable and doable. Yeah. These radical diets and these radicals, they can only last a certain time. You want to build an approach that you can manage. But if something isn't working for you, then change it up. Change you know? it up, yeah. Okay, that has covered all of the topics, which is great. Um, so I put out on oh, yesterday um, some questions to Instagram and Facebook listeners. Um, and I had said on it that I had the most, in my opinion, the most knowledgeable guy in Ireland, probably in Europe sometimes, um, on health and fitness. And I got a, a good few questions. Um, I think we've answered a few of them in there. There's a few Odd questions in here, but I'll ask you. Go for it. <laughs> uh, the serious ones first. Um, you you brushed on. I think you said B six. Um, is there anything I can take uh, to help with anxiety, except for obviously Sanex and you know? Yeah. Is, is there anything? Is there any supplement or vitamin that I could be glowing with anxiety? This is. I take something as well for this, but I'd like to hear your. Uh, so for me, then, from an anxiety point of view. I would just, and this is going to sound terrible, Drew, I apologise, <laughs> just get a blood test and see what you're deficient in. You yes, know, I yeah, know it's the yeah, cop no, out, right? No, but it, just stop guessing. So, yeah. like, actually, there's, um, I, I can't think of the link. That girl I talked to on, on tours, I think it's called Let's Check Me or something like that. It, let's get checked. Let's it? get checked, Let's yeah. get checked, yeah. So they, they'll online, send yeah. a blood sample yeah, out to you, yeah. kid, do your finger prick take, and it'll come back to you. Yeah. So you don't need to go to the doctor at all, you know? And I'm chatting to a guy, in New York, we're doing nutrition consultations. You can just walk into a lab corp over there and get blood tests easy because people are, are serious about their health. So this guy wants to improve his, his stress management or help his anxiety. The, the answer is whatever you're deficient in is what you need to address. Yeah. However, what I would say is magnesium and B6 in particular will have a massive improvement, but I, I don't know is the answer. Yeah, yeah, uh, the next thing is like meditation it's just yeah. the research is solid on it like you know like the, the calm app I'm, I'm, I love it it can be very beneficial for a lot of people so uh, like yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. mean not to give a crap answer yeah, but yeah, that's, no. that's yeah, yeah yeah that's fine um, what I, we covered this in the thyroid kind of area what can I I know there's a very open ended question what can I do for underactive thyroid well, so first of all, you, you, how do you know it's underactive is the question. So mm. if it's underactive, then your T4 and T3 levels are obviously uh, low. But I want to know why. Is there any antibodies going on? And I wouldn't, because if you don't know the cause of someone's thyroid being underactive, well, then your intervention can actually make it to be worse. Okay. Um, what I would say is there's a few things that you can do straight off the bat that can help. Number one, so you, the active hormone from your thyroid is actually, well, actually what's called T3. T4 is an inactive hormone. It gets activated into T3. 20% of that takes place in the gut. So if whatever T4 you have, by helping your gut health, it will improve your conversion of T4 to T3. So that's the number one thing. Next thing I would do is I would stop using fluoride 
in your drinking water and in your toothpaste, fluoride really in, impacts the absorption and utilization of thyroid hormone. Mm-hmm. The next thing I would do is add in vitamin A. Vitamin A is a fat soluble vitamin, as we talked about. But vitamin A, one of its main jobs is to make the receptor site on the cell in order for thyroid to be activated. So to activate the the T the the T three hormone that you actually have, if you're deficient in vitamin A, will actually downregulate that. So Boost your gut health to com- increase conversion. Remove any what's called endocrine disruptor, i.e. particularly fluoride for thyroid, and get your vitamin A levels tested and get a comprehensive test done. Uh, there's an expert down in Kildare, Dr. Nels, Dr. Neville Wilson. He specializes a lot in thyroid dysfunction. There's a great doctor here in Malahoy, Dr. Sam Van Eden. He's phenomenal when it comes to that area. So you need to go to people that are experts in the field. And if you can, what I'd suggest you do is most of these guys are very professional, particularly Dr. Sam. He'll do a comprehensive assessment on your blood chemistry, as, as you well know. I sure and do. The reason why I like that is because it's very common that you won't have just a thyroid problem. There'll be something, else, something going, else going you know, down the yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. So go and see experts in the field and get it addressed because thyroid can impact in so many other facets of your health. So get that addressed. Um, There's another one that I was like, oh, I'd be, I'd be interested to hear this. Um, I have a really, really poor memory is is am I lacking anything or is there anything I can do to improve my memory okay so d- when it comes to memory decline I want to know how fast it's taking place is this a, is, a, is this a new thing or this has been going on for a long time mm. you have a part of your brain called your hippocampus and that will atrophy or shrink in the presence of a lot of stress so people's memory recall walk into room, rooms forget where to walk in is, is quite common what I would say is you're good so if you can think of um I was away in Hong Kong a few years ago and I took a picture of this building. I was in the 68th floor room. No, this is no joke. 68th floor nice. of this building in a gym. And I looked out the window and there was this guy climbing a bamboo. I, I'm not lying to you. It was a bamboo <laughs> scaffold in that hall. And I made a mind as a scaffold. I took a picture and sent it to him. And I'm going, scaffold, 68 floors up. Ridiculous. Jeez. But the reason why I say that is if you go to a building site in Ireland, you see scaffolding on a building. You go to a, a building in town, scaffold, it looks the same. Mm. The scaffolding or the, or the structure of the cell membrane in your gut, your enterocytes, or your, your gut lining is very sim- similar to your blood brain barrier. So the blood brain barrier, Let's say that fast, blood brain barrier. I'm not even gonna try that. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> and you're good, they're very similar, the same scaffolding. So anything that causes good inflammation is causing brain inflammation. So right. I, my approach there would be to identify if there's anything going on from a leaky gut point of view or increased gut permeability, because increased gut permeability is increased blood brain barrier permeability. Zonulin is a protein release in the presence of gluten. So if you eat gluten, you open up those tight junctions. So I'd steer away from gluten for this person in particular. Yeah. I would address fats. The brain, the brain is made up of fat, you know. Sleep would be very supportive. There is a few supplements out there. Um, one called Tao, T-A-O, which is very good. I think uh, Alpha Brain, that's Alpha from, Brain, yeah, yeah, that, that, yeah I see a good report. There, yeah, I've never yeah. used that now personally. I've heard great reports from some athletes that use it. They're sponsored by them. So <laughs> they, they can really help. Um, but stimulants are not your friends. Okay. So stimulants when it comes to brain uh, cognition is, is compromised. Stuff that supports your brain, alpha lipoic acid, uberzine, all these things that are supported towards your brain. Good blood brain barrier function, good fat intake, particularly vitamin A, D, E and K as you talked about. And then take away the stress as best you can. Yeah. You know? So a lot of things, and I have and I talk about it a lot, but a lot of things come back down to the single thing is the gut. Yeah. You know, a lot of health issues comes back to the gut you were even talking about there poor memory brain which couldn't be further from your gut but yeah. it's got that 
Before we started here, we were talking about a colleague of mine in New Zealand. Mm. And one of the things they did in New Zealand with this uh, pandemic is they closed all the borders. Yeah. The border of you and the outside world is your gut. Yeah. So I like to think of it like the, the passport control or the customs yeah. at the airport. So all you, 70% of your immune system is around your gut. Why? Because they're regulating. You shouldn't come in here. So we talked about a pair of necklace and we don't want groups of guys coming in. We want individual people coming into our gut. And we can manage individual people, but groups cause inflammation. So when the, the passport or the customs control is down at the airport, the body is influxing all these toxins and all these, you know, macromolecules and causing inflammation. But then the same inflammation gets caused in the brain. So for me, if the gut is, is an area that needs to be addressed, I think addressing it will have a collateral or downstream effect and other, other mechanisms in the body okay and the last kind of remotely serious one um, for mindset what would be the best book to read what's your right so uh, uh, mindset is something that I focus on a lot of, uh, yeah. like Carol Dweck's book Mindset Carol Dweck's yeah, yeah. She, she's the one that you know came, coined the term She, I think the content in it is very good and any book out there that doesn't mention or in it is, is, is not you know supporting mm. uh, the founder of the field like positive psychology there's another one by, positive psychology by Martin Seligman mm. I really enjoyed that I, like I just finished one in the car when I came in this morning and that was called Poly- he was listening to it by the way he wasn't reading it yeah, driving. Driving, <laughs> just to it was make called that Polymath that, that was quite good there's, there's t- like this yeah. is the thing and I'm going to be as straight with listeners as I can they're all good yeah if you follow them, mm. read the books and just go, oh, I read that book that was good. No, you need to do your affirmations. Yeah. The Miracle Morning by Hal Inrod, great book, if you apply it. The One yeah. Thing by Gary Keller, great book, if you do it. Mm. You know, The E-Myth by Michael Gorber, great, if you do it. These books are only good if you live it. So mm. I actually have um, a book, uh, a diary, it's called The Full Focus Planner. I talk about it gotcha. a lot, but the reason being I get up in the morning, I do my morning routine, I don't check my emails, so I have a, a start of morning routine, I have a start of workday routine, and I, and I do it every day. Yeah. I do my affirmation in the car. I said, okay, when I come in to do Drew's podcast, I won't speak so fast, I think I failed there. Okay? <laughs> but the point is I get excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I say I'm going to be clear, I'm going to ho- hopefully give out yeah. some quality information, and then I'm going to, have a date night, Friday night is date yeah. night with myself and my wife, so we do that. So I already say in my mind, it was a good day, I trained well, I ate well, whatever it is. But affirmations only work if you do them. Yeah. Filling your food diary only works if you do it. Yeah. You know, having a, like, when you interact with someone, like, are you, are you open? Are you, are you, you yeah. know, so how you conduct yourself, I think it's, it's, you learn all this information in books, but they only work if you apply them. Yeah. And my major issue is that people talking about mindset and talking about positive psychology and doing the exact opposite thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like a Jen rang you right now, she me, but I hope you She might do, yeah. Um, she rings you and says, hey, you can tell whether she's hungry She's yeah. horny. She's happy. <laughs> you can tell from one word her whole demeanor. Always hungry. Oh, you sure, right? Always hungry. Uh, I like the way you did that. Can't, right. wait, for, can't wait for this podcast. Right. <laughs> but the thing about it is, you know from one word. So when we engage with people in, in any way, shape, or form, you, your your mindset, your focus comes across to people. Yeah. And a lot of people talk all this stuff, and they just don't do it. Yeah. You know. I uh, I've probably read more books in the last whatever we're in now nine week nine or ten um, than I have. Obviously, I try to read one a month. I think I've read nearly, no, I'm on my fourth one now, but a lot of the books that I've got um, have at the end of each chapter like a task. Yeah. Um, and I have a s- separate book beside the book and I'm writing stuff down because we all have so much things going on in our head that I've read so many books. I've been to a 
couple of your courses I've been to loads of courses and you ask me what I learned on that I haven't got a clue mm-hmm. so now for me if I read a book or if I listen to a podcast I've got a pen and paper down they're like oh okay and I brought it down because if I don't probably 95% of it is just yeah. in and it's out um, I spoke on the Primal podcast with Dan uh, the other day and I was like I have to have routine I have to have structure Um I write down the time I'm going for a walk, the time I'm going to the gym, the time I'm going to sit down and read, or I plan my lunch because if the day takes over, I could get to six, seven o'clock and went, I haven't gone for a walk, but I haven't read, which in turn leads to massive anxiety for me. So I need to get up in the morning. I plan my day a lot the evening before, which uh, I've said in the other podcast, I like to brain dump. So before I go to bed, I like to get as much out of my brain as I can. So I plan my day tomorrow. And then I get up obviously first thing and I have a look at it again. I literally picture what my day is going to look like. Sometimes it doesn't go like that. But if I've got structure, I've put in, and this is how, you know, stupid might sound, times to eat, times to walk, times to exercise. Because if you let the day start and you've got literally no structure in place, your days is going to days and then you get... For me, I get anxiety because I'm not doing the things that I like to do. One hundred percent. And in that diary, actually, one thing that I did since I got it, it has your ideal week. Yeah. And, and for me, like from a training point of view, from a nutrition point of view, from a family point of view, from collecting ruby from school or having my date night, whatever it is, I'll put it in. Yeah. And then I, and from a financial point of view, I put how many clients are going to see. Yeah. And then when I'm going to follow up on clients and so on. So when you look at your week ahead of time, and go, man, I got it. I've got a great week there. Yeah. I'm going to change that or yeah. do this. It gives you, you know, confidence. It gives yeah. you clarity in what yeah. your whole day is yeah. going to be. The one that I have, I know I've I've used that before, and um, not saying I do this every single week or every single month, but it, it uh, at the end of each week it asks you to review your week, mm. all your biggest wins, your biggest distractions. So then you can literally sit down and look and go, okay, right, these are the biggest wins. That makes you feel great. These were the biggest distractions. Okay. How can I work on them? Yeah. You know, um, I've said before that writing shit down is one of the biggest things that has helped me get more structure, get healthier, you know, get better. Yeah. Because I'm writing it down, I can look at it, and then I'm like, okay, right, this is why I didn't get that done. These are distractions, you know, these are the biggest wins. But I feel if you don't write stuff down, you can't really see it. Obviously, you can see it in your mind, but if you see something and Black and white, it makes a huge, oh, huge ma- difference. Yeah. Massive, you know. Yeah. And this is the thing. Like uh, a few of my friends still use the same diary. So what I used to do is Sunday morning we'd have Sunday mornings breakfast morning in my house. So my wife makes breakfast, and and I, I not that my wife does it. I like to do it, but <laughs> I'm help. never good enough. So what I do is I get up in the morning. I go for a walk. I get out to the coffee shop, and I spend my my twenty minutes doing my diary. And when I'm finished, I'll send it, because at the end of the week, somebody, I'll send a picture to one of the guys that Alice has done, and he goes, oh, I better get my one done. Brilliant. You know? so, Accountability. Yeah, and, 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 he, and then amazing. he does it to me. So, But this is the thing, every, sometimes the week's, like, sometimes the week of the shit, dude. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. But, but that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. I didn't get this done. What What was my derailer? What was my area of opportunity? And if I do something, well, I go, yeah, I, I achieve something. And that this constant, you know, organisation, they don't have to be over the top, minute by minute. But maybe there's, there's three big things you need to do that day mm. or, or one big thing you need to do that week, you know? So I think, I, I honestly yeah. like it. But all these books, 
I know we've gone off a little bit on this. Yeah. All these books are great yeah. if you apply if you them. Implement so it. don't even yeah. read one if you don't want to implement them. Yeah. Don't waste your time. Yeah. You know. Gotcha. <clears throat> um, okay, just a few kind of little uh, off topics. So, uh, obviously, this 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 uh, follower knew you worked with Conor McGregor. What was Conor McGregor like to work with? So when we started with SBG, we took on the whole pro team. So I took on the whole pro team when I trained him. Connor has always been, Connor has always trained really hard. Yeah. He's always been very diligent in his training. But all the guys were, Owen Roddy and Chris Fields and Carl Pendred and Ash Daly, we were all on the same team, we all trained together. Yeah. His focus was there, his yeah. focus was driven so all the time, it. you know. So I, you could see that from the very early days. Um, all the guys, with respect on the whole SBG team, put the work in. So it wasn't that Connor stood out from everybody else because yeah. they were all working really hard. Yeah. I think the way class and, and his stylistic uh, fighting style was very supportive for him getting ahead of the game um, and doing so well but it was the whole ethos in, on the whole team like, yeah. you know. and I think and Connor will say this himself the success that he's had was the people that were around him yeah, you know? so he had, a, he had a great team, team yeah. um, and I spoke to John Kavanagh recently about the, the restrictions and when, when his gym was opening and like we really no, we, we helped SBG to, from, for a very long period of time to develop themselves and, and to like to be a well-rounded fighter Needs, means you need to be a well-rounded athlete and you don't necessarily be, you need to be a gym athlete and that's what a lot of people focus on that you need to be good in the gym lifting weights to be a good athlete you don't necessarily yeah. lifting weights can co can complement and transfer to the sport where Connor was always open to doing different movements gymnastic movements he linked in with Ido Portal did a lot of movements like that so I think as an athlete point of view his, his relentlessness to improve excellence was always there yeah he had it with me um, this is a question I'm going to well on Till the lockdown stops, obviously. Um, if you were to be in lockdown with one famous person, who would it be? Not Can't say wife. Kim Kardashian, can I know? That's <laughs> for different reasons. Um, Is your wife going to listen to this? She loves them, man. <laughs> loves them, she does. Anyway, um, like, to be honest with you, I, and this is going to sound really corny mm. a celebrity as in uh, someone that's reached a certain level of like as an actor or as a musician I wouldn't have any interest I don't know I wouldn't know what an album from the next someone that's achieved something as like a Nobel Peace Prize yeah. or something like that I'd, I'd Buzz off, you know. I'd rather someone I could train with and talk shit with rather than someone I was kind of yeah. idol because I don't fantasize over anyone. Oh. <laughs> sure. Not fantas fantasize, I'm a big fan. I'm not a fan of anyone in particular. Okay. Uh, Actually, no. I'm gonna change that real quick. I'm gonna pick Eric Serrano because he's absolute. He's a funny, funny fella. He knows so many different things about so many different avenues, and we, we train and talk crap. Yeah. I, yeah. I okay. Eric. Yeah. Um, and then this one obviously came in from your. Uh, your business, uh, who's the best coach in, uh, in the ISI? Well, the fact that that person emailed that in knows that it's not him, <laughs> so uh, I think that's answered enough alone. <laughs> okay, um, lastly, I just want to obviously uh, give you the chance. You, um, I've just uh, released your new website, yeah. Um, what's that called, and where can we find it? So, it's a uh, ownlacyeducation.com, very, very in, uh. <laughs> A lot of thought into that name. Yeah, my website is called drewhennessy.com. <laughs> so it's easy. So for me, I, I, I have a passion about teaching. I have a passion about sharing information in a different way, hopefully, than, than the normal textbooks. So I developed the, the, the e learning platform purely because I'm not going to be around teaching for a long time. Yeah. I wanted to keep going. Yeah. I wanted to cut the courses down to bite sizes so you can get them done in a day or a few hours yeah. and maybe some are going to be a bit longer. They're much much cheaper, much more reasonable yeah. you know, for people yeah, to do. They are very um, and, and, and I try to cover a wide range of topics. I've one on interval training. 
have one on on sleep. Um, I've I've just finished uh, six books in total. Two of them on the website. The four I'm going to launch over the next few weeks. One's on strength and conditioning. One's on tips and tricks and uh, for strength and conditioning and performance. Um, and then I'm I'm just finalising hopefully this weekend the last one on, on program design. Brilliant. So it's going to be for a mixture of people. Covering everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the, the thing about it is I'm, I'm as you can probably tell I'm not going to tell you to do ten reps because you have to do ten reps. I'm going to give you the, the advantage point and the knowledge to do whatever you want. But I think it, I'm trying to broaden trainers' minds out, whether from a business point of view, from a nutrition point of view, from a functional medicine point of view. Actually, that book I just finished in the car, The Polymath, what it talks a lot about is you don't necessarily have to be an, an expert in one field, mm. the top 1%. Yeah. I'd rather be in the top 10% of 10 fields. You know, So when a client comes into me, that person needs sleep hygiene and sleep medicine. That's what I do with them, yeah. you know? And I think from the longevity, particularly in this industry, mental health is huge. I think, you know, helping people from the nutrition outside the gym, not all about performance in the gym. Mm. And I want people to enjoy exercise. Yeah. Exercise doesn't have to be all about fat loss. It can be fun. Even with the family, you know, it can it can be much more than people put it down for, you know. And I think now people realise that exercise is a, a core component of their life, mm. and it does not have to be, you know, balls to the wall and killing yourself in beast mode. You can enjoy, you can do different things. Yeah. Like we've gone for family cycles multiple times, having great crack, yeah, you yeah. know. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff that people can do, and I think, but just so people know, it is inconvenient in order to be healthy. So yeah. you need to take action to be healthy. You need to take yeah. action to look after your mental health. You need to take action to look after your health and your well-being. It's not something that happens by accident. So you need to be, you need to activate it. And please, if your car was smoking, you wouldn't get out there and hoist it up and start messing around. You wouldn't know what you're doing. So go and, and not okay. push and go to see professional, yeah. but go to see people qualified in their field to help you. Because what will happen is you'll try yourself, you might do more damage, you'll get frustrated, you get fatigued, you won't get results, and then we'll all go to shit. So yeah. try to surround yourself with a network of people that can support you. And if you fail, fail fast, move on. Yeah, Don't sweat it, you know? Um, and obviously I've gone to you a lot uh, in the ISI. Um, in... Malahide, you guys do a lot of testing in the ISO. Yeah, so it's I not just go to get. Yeah, so I have trained. a clinic right in front of the gym. I was in a different location the first time you came in, yeah. in an old dentist yeah. uh, practice in the Malahide. But now I have a separate clinic across from it. And what I do is I, I, I work with people coming in. We do lab testing. I link with doctors in the area, Dr. Sam in particular. And what we do is we put together a whole plan. So it's not exercise focused. You're in yeah. a clinic. Yeah. We, we assess your lifestyle, your nutrition, your bloods, what your goal is. We may put exercise in there. We may train the gym. But a lot of time people are coming from a health enhancing point of view. You yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and where can we find the ISI there online as well? Yeah, you can see it at the oilstrengthinstitute.com or you can check the clinic information is on ownlacy.com. Um, so ownlacy.com or ownlacyeducation.com. So it's whichever. Okay. And then the Instagram is ISI Health. So you can see us all posting exercise. That's more about the gym side of things. You won't really see much on own. He's not on social media, which I find an amazing thing. What's the... Sorry, this is, this is actually a question of mine. Why aren't you on Insta on social media? Is it a was it a decision that you made or ju just obviously? Yeah, so when in, so I'm old enough to know when this was all started. Mm. Now I was always working, and yeah. the, my friends are the people that are in the room with me. Now, not to say I can't communicate through Facebook and Instagram yeah. with the company, but the most precious thing, and I have some very wealthy clients, and the most precious thing in the world is time. And, and when I sit down and have for breakfast or, or a date night with my wife, whatever it is, I'm there. I'm not on social media. Yeah. I use social media for the reason that social media can be helped, a business and stuff like that. But 
It's, yeah. I have WhatsApp groups with my friends. Yeah. You know, that's and we talk crap, talk, and yeah. there's some questionable content being sent in them. I'm but sure. yeah, but mm-hmm. it's 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 yeah. friends. It's, yeah. it's happy time. It's not. I don't want to get online to see someone have a breakfast. I know, I'm not. Right. I'm not interested, and I've never been interested. And I don't think my breakfast is that interesting to other people <laughs> either. So that's why I'm not on. Um, okay, um, Owen, it has been an absolute pleasure. As I said, every time I sit down with you, I've learned something, and I'm sure all the listeners have. Um, I'll probably have to go over this a few times to get some information bombs out of that. But uh, thank you. No it's problem. A pleasure. A pleasure, right. Drew. No problem at all. Thank you. Happy to help out. Cheers. So that's the end of this week's episode, guys. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, Remember, the podcast is available on all podcast platforms and you can also reach me on Instagram, True Hennessy PT, or Facebook at True Hennessy. Thanks for listening, guys. Stay safe. Chat soon.